0: Welcome to JAG Talk, a podcast series featuring Navy JAG community experts. Listen to in-depth discussions about different legal fields and hear insights and lessons learned from practitioners across our enterprise.
1: Chapter 38, Legal Assistance.
2: Hello and welcome to the JAG Talk podcast series. This installment of the podcast is brought to you by the Office of the Judge Advocate General, Code 16. My name is Lieutenant John Schweitz. I'm an action officer at Code 16, and today I'm joined by my esteemed colleagues, Lieutenant Jason Kim and Lieutenant Rich Aviles, who will help provide a quick glimpse of a day in the life and work of an action officer for the office of the Judge Advocate General, Code 16. Gentlemen, thank you for being here and welcome to the podcast. Today, we're discussing a day in the life and work of an action officer for the Legal Assistance Policy Division of the Office of the Judge Advocate General, Code 16, a job with which we're all familiar to varying degrees. I've been at Code 16 here on the Washington Navy Yard for two and a half years. Lieutenant Kim, just a little less than that. And Lieutenant Aviles is a new check-in who, at the point of this recording, we welcomed to the code just a few weeks ago. It's not common Code 16 has three action officers. In fact, it's typically billeted for just two. However, due to the coronavirus outbreak, we've had a bit of a windfall in manpower here with my orders on hold to move to my next duty station. And we've lucked out with three of us teaming up to support the mission here and tackle myriad issues concerning the legal assistance practice across the entire Navy. Long story short, Code 16 works unique and complex Navy legal assistance policy matters to ensure the fleet maintains readiness at all times. With this preview as a backdrop, why don't we move to a broader perspective on the job and bring in the experts who I know the audience is excited to hear from. Let's get started by telling the listeners who you are, how you got here, what you do, and what you hope to take away from your time at Code 16. Let's kick this off with Lieutenant Kim.
0: John, thanks for that introduction. My name is Lieutenant Jason Kim. I came to Code 16 by way of uh, Real So Southeast. My first tour was in Pensacola uh, as an FTJA. Uh, currently I am, uh, like John said, action officer at Code 16. And uh, really I think what attracted me most to Code 16 was the sheer amount of uh, you know, sailors and Marines that we can affect through our policy. I think touching on all these policy issues is a great opportunity uh, to interact with both the flagpole and
1: the fleet. Um, With that, uh, Rich, why don't you take it off from there? Thank you to both, and good morning to everyone. Uh, My name is Lieutenant Rich Abilas. Uh, I joined CO-16 about three weeks ago now, so I'm still the brand new action officer in the division. This is my third tour as a Navy JAG. Uh, I'm coming from Commander Navy Installations Command, where I was the assistant fourth church advocate. I was there for a little of a year. I completed my first JAG tour here at the Realstone Naval District, Washington, and I have over 20 years of naval service, both active duty and reserve. I was a former intelligence officer and enlisted sailor in the sailor, uh, submarine committee. I went to law school part-time here in the D.C. area, so I've been here for a while. Uh, I was working full-time as a DOD civilian. I came to Coast 16 to learn more about Navy Navy legal assistance policy. I think it's a great program that permits our sailors and Marines to be prepared for deployments and mobilizations for a while.
2: Thanks for that, gentlemen. It's certainly a tough act to follow, but I'll do my best. My name is Lieutenant John Schweitz, and like Lieutenant Kim, I'm in my second tour, and I also served my first tour at Naval Air Station, Pensacola, Florida. What brought me to Code 16 is my interest in policy and ethics I've had throughout law school at the University of Minnesota and into my career thus far. I greatly enjoyed my legal assistance rotation also as a first tour judge advocate. And in that role, I was able to engage Code 16 to contribute to the mission and impact the fleet on a broader level with the production of an educational video discussing powers of attorney. I met the Code 16 leadership when they visited Pensacola for an annual inspection. And at that time I realized Code 16 would be a great place for someone with a lot of energy to affect legislative and regulatory change. And it's also backed with leadership that's really about fostering personal and professional growth. So I'd say what I value most professionally from this tour as I prepare to move to Naples, Italy to serve as a staff judge advocate to the commanding officer of. Naval Support Activity Naples is a better and broader perspective I've gained on how exactly the JAG Corps supports the fleet. In case anyone's ever wondered how lawyers contribute to the war fighting mission, this job and all its various functions we're discussing here can really serve as a daily reminder. In the lead-in to the podcast, I used the term action officer in reference to the job we perform here. Now, I must admit, I still don't know if I can find an actual definition for that term. So let me ask Lieutenant Kim, after your year or so doing the job, what does it mean to you to be an action officer for the Office of the Judge Advocate General Code 16?
0: John, well, to me, being an action officer means basically taking action on whatever walks through the door. We take everything that we do cradle to grave. Now, that might be policy questions from the fleet that we research and provide guidance on. It might be policy changes that we inform the upper leadership about. And it also extends into kind of our ongoing projects that that we do. For instance, two of the ongoing projects that I'm a part of right now are the Volunteer Income Tax Assistance Program and the Military Naturalization Outreach Program. Both of those I monitor every month, Uh, so being in charge of that means that I reach out and contact stakeholders. For VITA, that means our IRS liaisons and volunteers if they have questions. As part of the Naturalization Outreach Program, I also contact and liaise with USCIS part of DHS, the Department of Homeland Security, as well as reach out to individual sailors to provide them outreach material and assistance with their naturalization.
2: Right. And Lieutenant Kim, as it relates to the demand signal for our work, we've found ourselves in sort of a, a bull market, especially in the face of the coronavirus and emergency operations and quarantines and whatnot. So with 2020, you know, it's been exciting, I would say, for what we've done here coming up with innovative solutions to equip sailors and families with legal readiness resources that the Navy legal assistance offices can provide. But um, I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about your experience with one of the main products we produce as action officers with a similar namesake, Action Memos, we call them. And kind of talk about some of the action memos you've dealt with and I've helped and supported with or have come up with on my own. What is an action memo, uh, info memo, and talk a little bit about how we've used those throughout the coronavirus operations?
0: Well, John, action memos, uh, as action officers, you know, it's part of the day, are a pretty uh, important and large piece of our portfolio at Coach Lee's team. Now, we've produced a number of action memos in response to COVID 19 uh, with relation to assisting the fleet with emergency operations. Now, what that's really functionally meant is that we are creating exceptions, waivers, and kind of workarounds for procedures at legal offices that have been necessitated by kind of social distancing uh, rules that, that have come out of COVID 19. Some of those actions go against standing policy. So what the action memos have done is inform upper leadership that there are issues with our present procedures due to COVID-19, proposing solutions, and then asking them to execute on the solutions. Now, this is a great way for uh, action officers both get exposure to senior leadership by briefing them on these topics, as well as exposure to the fleet by disseminating those and being the point of contact for questions that come out of those policies. For example, one of the action memos that we produced in response to COVID-19 was an amendment to the joint travel regulations to help streamline SCRA actions Uh, The SDRA being the Service Members Civil Relief Act.
2: Right. And Jason, I remember that package. We call these packages when we send them up to the when we send up the info or the action memo to the judge advocate general. You know, sort of how we jumped into action there as action officers was we understood that there was an issue with the joint travel regulations where service members were planning to move a new duty station, but they were stuck at their current duty station because of a what's called a stop movement order in response to the coronavirus, in which the essentially the entire military said, no one's going to go anywhere for a little while here until we get this under control, and then you can resume your moves. So can you tell the listeners a little bit about the double rent issue the service members faced and what action we took to try to alleviate that problem
0: yeah absolutely as part of the stop movement order uh, like john said some sailors and marines were stuck either at their old duty station uh, or had entered into leases at their new duty station and then all of a sudden no one's moving Now, that put them in a bind with either their current leases or their upcoming leases. Normally, service members are entitled to terminate their leases early under the SCRA. However, we liaised with the Department of Justice on the issue, and due to the definition of a permanent change of station, a PCS, in the joint travel regulations, they were unable to enforce service members terminating their leases early so I
2: remember this was a pretty confusing issue, even for the amount of times and amount of time we took to look at it. Was there anything unique about this memo you find to be representative of your time at Code 16?
0: One of the things that I think Code 16 really improved was my writing. These action memos have to be understood two levels up and two levels down. So. Being very close to issues, sometimes it can be hard to convey your thoughts. And what this action memo in particular showed me was that intention and clarity in writing can be very, very important. And I think I will take that with me into the fleet even after I leave Code 16.
2: Thank you, Lieutenant Kim. So there's certainly no shortage of ways to engage in the mission here at Code 16, and we'll certainly discuss other job functions as we go. At this point, let's shift gears to another perspective on the work we do. This question is for Lieutenant Aviles. Our flagship website jag.navy.mil discusses the Code 16 mission. There it states, the JAG Corps strategic plan defines legal assistance as one of three core areas critical to the readiness of naval forces. In addition to fostering readiness, legal assistance positively impacts the morale and welfare of service members and their families with legal solutions that improve their quality of life. What about this mission inspired you to join Code 16?
1: Before I get to that question, John, uh, I, I want to go back to something Lieutenant Kim said about being an action officer. From my perspective, an action officer is also a staff officer. Staff officer, meaning uh, we are the ones that take everything, not just from uh, A to Z, but also the coordination, put everything on the paper. Um, there's a lot of ideas, solutions, issues that need is to be spotted. And someone has to take those to ground, put it on paper, talk to the right people in the other organizations or departments, get the concurrence of what, what is the right course of action. So that's why, in my opinion, an action officer is also a staff officer, because we do a lot of the staffing that is required to propose a course of the leadership in the JAG in the Navy at large. In regards to your question, I think our legal assistance mission is important because it directly impacts the Navy's operational mission. And what I mean by that is during my legal assistance rotation, I have many clients that can't see me to get help with divorce, separation questions. And they were pending deployments if they were reservists, And so they were about to leave home for months at a time, and they had all these personal issues that need to be addressed before they left. Without Navy's uh, legal assistance program, the Navy would be sending sailors out to perform very important jobs, very important missions, while their mind was preoccupied with personal matters. So that's why I think Code 16 and legal assistance is very important to what Navy does on a daily basis.
2: With respect to your prior service, do you have any sort of sea stories you can share about how legal assistance impacted their lives?
1: Well, I have a lot of stories, but I I think I would just pick one from the top of my head because it belonged to me. It was my story. Um, Back in 2011, I was uh, mobilized as a reservist to Afghanistan. I was an intelligence officer going to Afghanistan for a year, 12 months, and um, before I left, I got my orders saying, you know, to mobilize on this date. And I was told about legal assistance. I was not fully aware of legal assistance at that time. And they were like, you should go talk to an attorney, get a will done, get like a power of attorney done, anything that you need to get ready for your family before you leave. So that was my first experience as a Navy officer going through the legal assistance program. Uh, I was able to make an appointment, get my will done, get my power of attorneys done, and then I was able to settle all my affairs, personal affairs. So I think that's a great um, example of how we impact the daily lives of our sailors.
2: The idea of living in Washington, D.C. can conjure up all sorts of different thoughts for different folks, whether it's about city living, government, bureaucracy, you name it. What are some of the best things you found about your work-life balance while serving at Code 16 in the Washington Navy Yard?
0: Well, I can say it was a big difference from Pensacola. Pensacola was great uh, and there was a lot of good people down there and great beaches. But the change of pace coming from Pensacola to D.C. was both refreshing and uh, a little stressful. But I think that the opportunities D.C. has, both career-wise and you know, in my personal life, are pretty substantial. Uh, on the professional side, I get to liaise with a number of different agencies, uh, like I would mention before, USCIS, the Department of Justice, the Department of State, the IRS. On the personal side, I think that D.C. has a lot of potential and opportunity. They have a lot of great restaurants. There's a large community of both Jags and uh, Naval officers. I bought a house here. Uh, great job market and uh, real estate market if that is something that you're interested in. Uh, I think D.C. is a great place to live, to network,
1: and uh, to kind of you know just explore. So, yeah, so I will caveat my answer by saying, you know, I consider the D.C. area to be my second home. The reason being is just I've, I lived here for on and off of over 15 years. I lived in New Jersey before that, but, you know, I've been here for a long time now. Uh, I came here as a single person, and now I'm married with two kids. So I, I have a dual perspective of the D.C. area. I, I like living here and working here just because I'm next to the of government. I had fellowship with the U.S. Congress back in 2015, because I live so close to the area. So I was able to get something like that, an opportunity like that. Um, so as a single person, I would say, you know, that it's great, you know, because they have a great nightlife. It has a lot of things to do and see. The restaurants are great, like Richard and Kim said. Um, there's museums and all these other places to visit. historic monuments to see as well. And in the same token, as a married person with kids, I think BC offers, you know, the, the best life, the best, you know, after work life for uh, somebody that's married with two kids. Just because there are museums that you can take your kids to, uh, there are multiple parks that you can visit. Uh, there's a lot of water activities that you can do. So I, I think it offers the best of both world worlds. And also allows you to be close to the seat of government, like I mentioned, and be able to experience what Congress does very closely, and also what uh, the leadership in the Navy, not just in the Jack court, um, up to every day.
2: That's very interesting, and I, I couldn't agree with you two more. And coming from Pensacola, going to D.C., and next going to Naples, Italy, I, I just I would just say you know I've loved it here in D.C., and in some respects, I also do consider it home. And an important part of the entire Navy adventure. Let's move on to another question here I have for you two. This is uh, the final question I have for you guys today. Basically, for me, I say you know the highlights I've had at Code Sixteen. They include delivering in-person briefs at the Pentagon on some of the most pressing matters to some of the highest-ranking officers in the entire Navy whether it be about changes to the SCRA or the Service Members Civil Relief Act, as we discussed earlier today, or various other legislative proposals. We coordinate with our friends at the Office of Legislative Affairs or just other parts of the Office of the Judge Advocate General. I really enjoyed working on this other congressionally mandated project involving more policy-based fixes to this issue the Navy and really the military in generals had with what's called public-private venture housing or base housing. Not to get too much into the details of any particular case or the cases that drew Congress's attention, but you know, basically military on-base housing experienced over the course of a couple years or so some housing conditions that required significant remediation and became the subject of heated debates on Capitol Hill. So I've really enjoyed working through those issues and ensuring that our legal assistance attorneys around the the country here can assist and get involved in helping service members navigate their rights with respect to these housing issues. Let's hear from my counterparts here uh, as we wrap up. First, Lieutenant Kim. What have been your most proud accomplishments since arriving at Code 16? And then, Lieutenant Aviles, what do you hope to accomplish during your time here?
0: I think the two accomplishments I'm probably most proud of are, one, the action memo concerning the joint travel regulation amendment. That was a pretty heavy lift. Uh, We coordinated with a large number of stakeholders to get that pushed through, and it really involves contacting and briefing some of the highest levels of our leadership uh, in the JAG Corps and in the Navy in general. I would say the other accomplishment is not so much a, a singular accomplishment as it is my ongoing role on the military naturalization outreach program. As I stated before, I personally reach out to sailors who are going through or would like to go through the naturalization process. There are a lot of uncertainties involved in that process and to be able to alleviate these sailors' concerns by liaising directly with the United States Citizenship and Immigration Service,
1: that to me is very fulfilling. As for me, you know, I'm still brand new to Code 16, but what I'm looking forward to is just to make a positive change. Every time I go to a different command, my purpose is to like leave it in a better place, uh, you know, when I went to like, in other words, do something positive, do something that can change either the command or the Navy I will refer to my time in Congress where I worked with Congressman Rangel for over eight months. Before I left my fellowship, uh, I was able to hear some of my arguments, some of my ideas being presented by him on the House floor. So that felt good. That felt like I made a positive impact for my time that I was at the Hill. So I want to do the same thing in Code 16. I I think we have a great Navy legal assistance program. And before I leave here in the next year or so, I look forward to helping implement a legal assistance change that has some kind of positive effect on sailors and Marines. So that's what I'm looking forward to, and I'm hoping that I can accomplish that during my time here at Code 16.
2: Well, thank you for that, Lieutenant Aviles, and thank you both gentlemen. Today we spoke with Lieutenant Jason Kim and Lieutenant Rich Aviles. I'm Lieutenant John Schweitz, and we're action officers in the Legal Assistance Policy Division of the Office of the Judge Advocate General, Code 16. Today we provided a glimpse into a day in the life and work of an action officer at the Office of the Judge Advocate General, Code 16.
0: You have been listening to JAG Talk, a podcast series featuring Navy JAG community experts. Visit jag.navy.mil for additional chapters of this podcast series. Thank you for tuning in.